Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. spoke to this last week uh, a little bit too. He said, you know, he, he called out, he said to House Republicans, do you really want to actually fix this problem? Do you really actually want to um, do the work that's needed to deal with the issue that we're seeing at the border? Do you really want to fix this immigration system? I'm adding on to what the president said, but Sorry. that's a question for House Republicans. I think we have proven, Republicans in the Senate and Democrats in the Senate, have proven that we actually want to work on this issue, uh, on this broken system. And so, look, if they are real about this, if they want to fix this problem, then they would get involved. They would get involved, but they haven't, right? You heard me say back at the end of uh, last year, they left in the middle of December while negotiations were happening with Republicans in the Senate and the Democrats in the Senate. So the border is a problem because Republicans bad. That is one heck of a take. You gotta love Corinne Jean-Pierre. You gotta love this spin. Hey guys, is it is it election time? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Uh, well, we better start talking about the border. Uh, blame Republicans, okay? Just put that out there. Blame Republicans, and uh, that'll work. You got it, boss. And now, and now you see the rest. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today. What's going on? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Would love it if if you would. I'll get into some more uh, of the border as I often talk border issues. But there is a Serious issue at play going on with with airlines. As we are watching more and more problems occur. There's a story about a, 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 a flight. This is a Delta flight. Where the plane, a, a Boeing, right, and, the, and we're not we're not talking about the problems with the Max Seven here, where the window basically the fuselage blew out, and they knew they had issues, and these were the planes that uh, two of them crashed in a matter of, of, of was it months, and the plane was grounded because it had a, a serious serious programming issue, and there's a problem with this plane that can't be it can't be denied and it should not be denied. The plane leaving out of Atlanta, it's, uh, it had a wheel fall off. It was taxiing on the runway. It was heading to Bogota, Colombia. A pilot from another plane saw the front wheel fall off, relaying to the tower um, that, the, that the plane lost a nose tire. The wheel and the tire. The whole contraption. Then you put to that that you have a flight to New York that was canceled after an alarmed passenger noticed that bolts were missing from the plane's wing. You can see out the plane, and sometimes you're on the wing. And there you are, and you're missing bolts, and they were like, Ding, ding, you know, they rang the little bell. Pardon me, uh, uh, stewardess, it's flight attendant these days. Yeah, well, you don't have bolts in the wing, so I'll call you any damn thing I choose. Oh, God, what I would have given for that to be the conversation. They didn't take off. They didn't take off. What is happening? What is happening? 
Well, part of what is happening is the CEO of United Airlines, Scott Kirby. You have this. The CEO who thought it was necessary um, to not only dress in drag, but to show it in, 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 in public settings. You ask yourself, Tony, seriously, what the guy likes to do in his own life has no bearing on what might be going on with a plane. What if the argument is perhaps we're focused on things that don't matter and we don't focus on the things that do matter and that leads to people dying? Certainly, we can point to Mossad. You take a look at Israel in the days before October 7th and the terrorist attack from Hamas, a terrorist organization, the murdering of 1,200 people, the killing of babies, the raping of women, setting people on fire, taking people hostages, putting them in cages. Hamas is a terrorist organization and the world would be better off if they were destroyed. But when you take a look at the days before that, there was a big conversation in Israel about their Supreme Court and judicial reforms, and people were upset about this. But the truth is, the entirety of Israeli politics is a big, hot, stinking mess. And their Supreme Court is very, very, very strange. There, there's no constitution. The Supreme Court engages under a conversation of what they describe as reasonableness. That's not a standard. Reasonableness is nutty. But this is the way they do it. So part of what uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, was saying and others is that we, we got to have different standards. And oh, by the way, where do these justices come from? Right now it comes from the, the winning party. And oh, these people get to pick. And oh, this bar association gets to pick. Maybe we should uh, uh, change how we engage this process and who should have more of a say based on the election. Now, you can agree or disagree with these things, uh, but this is what was going on. And it is very obvious from the reporting and from other conversations that there were groups in Israel that should have been focused on what it is Hamas was doing in Gaza, but were rather focused on things like this. Focused in the improper places. Focused on domestic things, not foreign threats. It reminds you in some ways of what the FBI likes to focus on, which is not the threat internally, but whether or not the American citizen is the threat for their existence. And how many more times will we see how they've worked and kind of tried to manipulate into, well, setting people up? Literally, they see in so many ways the American is nothing more than Marion Barry, and we are the ones recognizing what the FBI just did and who they are, and they just set us up. That's a pretty good reference right there. Marion Barry reference. Uh, gone too soon. Gone too soon, former mayor of D.C. Oh, I'm going to get emails for that. When you're not focused on the topic, when you're not focused on the target, when you're not focused on the goal, what are you focused on? Well, if airlines are focused on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is bigotry, well, then what possibly 
Or how possibly could they be focused on safety? What were they doing that they didn't notice the bolts missing on the wing? What were they doing where in their pre-flight check they didn't notice the loose tire? What was happening at Boeing that they didn't notice that quite literally a chunk of the fuselage could fly out? Oh, by the way, they knew there was a problem. They were going to deal with it after the flight landed. What? You don't deal with that after the flight lands. Because if you do, you run the risk that nobody actually lands. They simply fall to the ground. This takes us to, uh, ta- was it, tax prof blog, uh, blog? Uh, tax professor blog, Paul Karen. Wisconsin law school's mandatory DEI trainings and academic freedom. This has been a conversation about medical schools as well. Where in the in the in the medical schools, what what you see is is the taking uh, the Hippocratic oath, and in doing so, the recognition, the recognition that uh, they practice medicine on stolen indigenous land. Well, of course you do. It's all stolen indigenous land. Every last bit of it is stolen indigenous land. Every last bit of every last corner on God's green earth is some stolen indigenous land. This is what you're focused on? I would like for you to focus on my pancreatic cancer if you don't mind. Uh, I'm not saying about me. I don't have pancreatic cancer. Thank goodness. Um, the focus is missing. I've used this uh, uh, analogy. Now, this analogy comes from something my father used to say when I was a kid. My father, for as long as I can remember, would, would say, uh, you're, you're, in your, you're in your apartment, because for him, everything was based in New York and everything was an apartment. Um, garden apartment is usually the way he described it. I have no idea. I have never heard anybody since describe a, a garden apartment, but he always uses that terminology. So, something, something about Brooklyn in the 50s, kitten. I don't know what else I can tell you. Um, you're in your apartment. There's an axe murderer at the door. And they've got an axe and they're breaking down the door. They're going to kill you. He would, tell, he would go over this all the time. You go to the phone. Remember, no cell phones in the day. She actually had to have a phone sitting somewhere. And as you get to the phone, you pick up the phone, you notice out the window that the, the street light is out and it's not safe for people to cross the street. For the liberal, what do you do? I swear to you, I grew up differently than you did. That, I was 10. <laughs> I was 10, I was 11 when that conversation took place. What do, what, what, what do you do? The axe murderer's at the door, but the traffic light's out. I have applied that to what's going on in, in, in medical schools. The patient is in front of you, doctor. And the patient is going to die. You say to the patient, ma'am, we're going to take care of you. The patient says, I'm a man, not a woman. I identify as a man. Who do you think you are? I demand an apology. Do you treat the patient or do you apologize to the patient? Patient's going to die. Which one comes first? What 
matters more. And if the answer is not, well, you treat the patient, then there, then, then the answer is wrong. Well, what you would do is, no, there is, these are your choices. Apologize, the patient dies. Save the patient. You learn that, that, that some things don't matter. That some things, even if you decide they did matter, they have to be ranked. And someone's desire for pronouns don't matter as much as saving the life. It just doesn't. Who cares about your pronouns? Who cares? What you believe in, what you value is absolutely unnecessary. It creates a valueless proposition because nothing thrives and survives from it. Go back to this. According to the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, a conservative advocacy group, the University of Wisconsin Law School conducted a mandatory reorientation DEI session last week for which students had to fill out a, quote, race timeline worksheet with seven significant moments at least or significant life events around race and read a worksheet listing 28, and I'm quoting here, common racist attitudes and behaviors, including views like I'm colorblind and we have overcome. Well, if this is what the lawyers are focused on, how could they possibly be focused on my First Amendment rights? Because it's very possible I said something that offended them and they thought was bigoted. Now, if they're under the impression that if they think something I say is bigoted, that I shouldn't be entitled to say it, well, what value was their law school education? Then again, what education did they get if they were focused on this and not the imperative nature of the First Amendment? That offense to a subject does not mean that the subject is verboten. And I chose the German there on purpose. If you're focused on being a drag queen and dancing for your staff, how could you possibly fo be focused on the wheels of the airplane, the bolts in the wing, whether or not the door falls off? How is, how is it even remotely possible? You could be focused on the things that save lives. It's impossible. Thomas Sowell, the great economist, explains beautifully that there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. And if you're going to focus on dressing and drag and dancing, if you're going to focus on listing 28 common racist attitudes and behaviors, then there is no way you could be focused on my First Amendment rights and why they matter and why they should be defended even if you don't like what is said. Remember, Louis Farrakhan is a low-rent, Jew-hating, white-hating, woman-hating bigot. He has a right to speak as an American. He's disgusting. His words are despicable. He's called me a termite. He has the right to say it. The same rights he has is what ensures that I'm allowed to say he's disgusting. And rational people should want nothing to do with him. That, of course, doesn't apply to Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis, who considers him a friend and is happy to work with him. DEI prevents us from focus, and a lack of focus will get us killed because it misrepresents what is really important. 
Is it important to be good to people? Is it important to look at people for what they offer and not as some kind of subgroup? Absolutely. Too bad DEI only teaches people to look at what people are in a subgroup. This wokeness, this DEI madness is damaging and we see it everywhere. We see it everywhere. Focus is necessary for professionals to be professionals, and we are in desperate need of professionals. You can't get them with the people we currently have in charge. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So one more airline story. And this story, um, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, Ah, I made the pun, I made the pun, Uh, this is uh, from, uh, I think, the, the New York Post, excessively farting passenger forces American Airlines flight to turn around, that's a, it's an actual story. Um, this has nothing to do with, with wokeness or DEI. This just has to do with people being disgusting. And I believe it's part of this anxiety problem. This issue that we have in America where everybody is so wound, so tight, and everybody is so ready to be offended and so ready for the fight and so ready to think everything is, a, is, is the affront that they've, they've, they've lost sense of themselves and they've, they've lost the, the ability to, to, to rationalize, but rather they must demand that you acquiesce to them because whatever it is that they're going through is clearly the most important thing. American Airlines flight, this guy is muttering under his breath. Maybe he had an altercation with some flight attendant or whatever it is. And he's like, uh, well, if, if you think that I'm rude now, check this out. And he starts letting loose like it's the campfire scene from Blazing Saddles. Thank goodness he wasn't Mongo. And it keeps going while they're taxiing and the guy's yelling at people, won't, won't stop. And so the pilot's like, oh, we got a, a small problem. We're going to have to return uh, back to the gate. Uh, key is please keep your uh, seatbelt fastened. And uh, so I, they all sound like that. That wasn't bad. That was, uh, okay. Well, no, yeah. And so they get back to the to the to the gate, and they say to the guy, uh, "They need you outside of the plane for something." And he's like, "Huh?" And then he walked off the plane. He didn't even put up a fight. And then I don't know. Somebody lit all the matches, and they left. How does this happen? No, not that somebody may not, you know, pass. Uh, what is it? Was it? They passed the gas. That could happen. That's possible on an airplane. But to 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 want to disrupt, to want to annoy, to why and and, and through a, a clear debasing of yourself, where does that come from? Uh, my argument is, is that it comes from a place of anxiety. It comes from a place of feeling so put upon, pressed upon. Everything going wrong in so many ways that you just have to, I was going to say, you just have to let it out. But clearly, it's enough. You'll just do what you want to do, and everybody's going to have to deal with you because you have to deal with everybody else's crap. I think it's anxiety. I do. Oh, by the way, put this guy to no-fly list and get me a private plane. I'm Tony Katz.
Now with that. So I had received a comment. As you know, uh, we've been doing some live streaming lately and some people... uh, comment on, on the live stream you get a rumble uh there just search for tony katz uh, or or uh, even, even on the on the youtubes me i'm tony katz tony katz today uh radio is is my first love don't you worry about that kittens uh and 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 this comment um stated uh that there was a lot of uh maga anger that's make america great again anger towards nikki haley for staying in the race and this guy uh, gives some reasons, which uh, I- I've already kind of dismissed. And then he says she, meaning Nikki Haley, is putting more of his, meaning Donald Trump's, cognitive decline on display. I'm telling you right now that I will not listen to anyone talk about cognitive issues if you're not going to talk about Joe Biden. If you're unwilling to know that that man is not okay, you're not a serious person, I will not be a part of it. Now, everybody wants to talk about cognitive this and cognitive that and aptitude tests. Nikki Haley, last night after losing in New Hampshire, she's like, yeah, let's do this. Trump, you have one bout of chaos after another. This court case, that controversy, this tweet, that senior moment. You can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos. The other day, Donald Trump accused me of not providing security at the Capitol on January 6th. Now, I've long called for mental competency tests for politicians over the age of 75. Trump claims he'd do better than me in one of those tests. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But if he thinks that, then he should have no problem standing on a debate stage with me. It's not a bad line, but this is this is this is a crazy way to choose a president with this whole conversation of competency test. Nikki Haley can get away with it because Trump did confuse Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. He he, he did it, and the whole senior moment uh, uh, comment uh, does hit. I don't think it moves anything in level of polling. That's not my conversation. My conversation is that I will not allow anyone to discuss competency without discussing Joe Biden. He was in Virginia. He was in Virginia and the speech that he gave was surreal. Surreal. It was insane insofar as one could understand it. I put forth to you that it could not be understood by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going to share a piece of it with you right now 
You tell me what this is. This is Joe Biden at this event. This is a 10-second clip. 10 seconds. Here you go. That wasn't the clip. I'm sorry. I played the wrong one. See, I was testing you. I want to make sure you're okay. Here you go. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. I'm going to play it again. You tell me what it is the president of the United States, a man who can press the nuclear button, you tell me what he said. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Uh, This is also the speech in Virginia where he looked at Terry McAuliffe and said, and hello to the real governor of Virginia that said it. Election denier Joe Biden. And Corinne Jean-Pierre was like, well, he was just making a joke. <laughs> is that how I can spin it now? Election denial is a joke? And that's what it was when, uh, when Hillary Clinton did it and uh, Stacey Abrams did it? Okay, good to, good to know. When Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked in the press briefing today about what you just heard from Joe Biden, this is what she said. When you talk to the president afterwards, is he frustrated that he wasn't able to sort of deliver the speech as he intended? I mean, look, look, the president, from my view, and I think some of your colleagues uh, have written about this, it was a fiery speech. It was a deeply, deeply um, uh, impactful speech. Uh, You heard how the crowd reacted to the speech. Uh, it was a speech that I think landed in a way that talked about how this president and his entire administration is going to fight for women. And that is also important. It was fiery. It was fiery. Do we need to hear it again? We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable <clears throat> lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. That's not fiery. That is a guy trailing off and falling to sleep in his mashed potatoes. It is what it is. You want to be angry with me? Fine. Be angry with me. What does that change? How dare you? That's ageist. Hold on a second. My name is Tony Katz. You bet your butt I'm an ageist. You better believe it. My father is 86. 86 years old. God bless him. I wouldn't let that man run the country. And he is a thousand times better than Joe Biden. It's my own father. Of course not. There comes a moment where it simply cannot be done anymore. There is reality. We have a a strange thing in, in, in America. 
We all talk about how incredible it is that we can live uh, to be older and the, and, the, and the medical situation this and, and, and we can extend our lives. And then people are like, well, life expectancy is down. If you were to take away deaths during COVID, you wouldn't necessarily find the same number as you do. And so the life expectancy, I believe, over the next couple of years will go back up. I believe that number is, is, is a bit artificial when we've seen it go down. But no one ever discusses the fact that the problem with continuing to live is that you actually have to do it. And the physical ramifications, the mental ramifications, the financial ramifications, nobody wants to have the hard conversation. This stuff is rough. And uh, one of the things that Gen X has dealt with, uh, which, which would have collapsed the millennials and Gen Z, it, it, it would have. Watching your parents get to this place because they never watched their parents get to this place because their parents would have died. I mean, it's just, I don't want it for them, but you want life to be healthy and robust and strong and, and all these things. Joe Biden is neither healthy nor robust nor strong. He's not. You, you, you show me how he's got all that pep and he's running to the stage and to the microphone and then he naps and then he's not seen for days at a time and he's not working here and he's not doing this. It is clear that he is not up to the task, that this at this stage is just abusive what we're watching. But that wasn't a fiery speech. That was a guy who didn't have it all together and cannot put together his words. He has an idea of what he wants to do, but he doesn't complete the sentence. He doesn't finish the subject. He can't. And why is that such a bad thing? It's not. I want to say for the record, allow me to be on record. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that he has reached an age where he isn't able to fully articulate in a way that is uh, that he has clarity a sentence. But if you were to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, you could get the gist of what he's saying and maybe he wouldn't talk so fast, maybe like, hey, repeat that. Hey, slow down, Grandpa. All those kinds of things. There is so nothing wrong with it. He doesn't walk with a walker. He doesn't walk with a cane. I can show respect for those things. The issue here is that he's president. And how dare America not have a standard on this? Yes, I'm an ageist. And if the octogenarian set doesn't like it, I don't care. I didn't say that we should now live in a world of soil and green. I'm not saying that you have no usefulness. One day I will be 86, oh please, in better mental and physical health than Joe Biden. I'm trying. I've been doing my stretches. So far, so good. I'm saying that maybe I won't have it to be president. And that's okay. Why can't we say that that's okay? Do I think Donald Trump is slipping? I think Donald Trump has made some slip-ups. I do. When you, you confuse uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi for Nikki Haley, or, or, or vice versa, uh, depending on how you want to say it, uh, I, think, I think you're doing yourself a, a, a disservice. I think it hurts. I think he's done this on a couple of occasions.
There's no doubt that he has. But if you think that somehow these two are on the same plane of not being uh, 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 in, in, in control of their own faculties, well, you'd be ridiculous. You'd be ridiculous. It would be acceptable to say that I've seen these things in, in, in Donald Trump. To say that it's equivalent to where Joe Biden is and what we've seen from him over the last three and a half years, th- this, is, this is not a serious, this is beyond unserious. That's nutty. And those people are nuts. So while we can have the conversation, I don't mind having the conversation, I'm not letting any of these MSNBC, CNN, uh, uh, national media uh, narratives uh, pushers tell me that Trump's not up to the task when they won't talk about Joe. But they'll be talking more and more about it because they're going to need a reason to replace him at the convention which we should be clear, is going to happen. Write it down. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So there was a moment during the primary coverage last night that uh, Newsmax is showing Nikki Haley's headquarters. And at Nikki Haley's headquarters, oh, this is so bad. I mean, if, if for, for, for Trump, this is like, you see this? This is what I'm talking about when it comes to Nikki Haley. Tony Katz, that's me. Tony Katz today, that's the name of the show. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. They've got this big, big monitor. And the monitor is showing the returns. They're showing the coverage from CNN. Listen. Take a look at this. Uh, We have a shot of Nikki Haley's headquarters. Uh, There's the screen, um, CNN. Um, Oh, that looks great. Are you surprised by this? Is anybody surprised? Unbelievably stupid. I, I, I just, I, I don't understand. I would blame the consultants. I yeah. just blame the consultants. Yeah. I saw that earlier yeah. in the evening. I thought, oh, they must be, they must have had a mistake and they must have changed it. But here it's, it still is. So this is a deliberate uh, act of a, of a candidate who does not know who her voter is. Rick Santorum hit it so on the head. And you're like, oh, come on. That's nothing. It's not nothing. It's, it's that kind of messaging. That gets you nowhere. Meanwhile, there's a bit of an update. Yesterday, I shared with you this guy who had uh, shared with you that this guy who had crossed the border, and uh, there are people there with video cameras doing interviews. And this guy, who's a Middle Eastern descent, grown man, jean shirt, jean jacket, glasses, he doesn't sound like a guy who's thankful to be in America. Oh no, 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 no. If you are smart enough, you would know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. Who is this jerk? So people started looking for who the jerk is. And uh, the answer is, it might be uh, this guy uh, right here uh, out of Azerbaijan who was uh, sentenced to 12 years in prison for terrorism. And arms trafficking Mavsum Samadov maybe that's who it is 
You can argue that looks like him. I, I would need some fingerprints. Is this who he just let into the country? And someone should ask the squad, is this the kind of open borders that you're looking for? Is this the kind of open borders that you have long desired? Because this is what you're going to get. Anybody who doesn't understand the threat that is Iran, the threat that is Hamas, the threat that is these terrorist organizations, that's uns- it, 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 you, you can't be this unserious. You can't be this unserious. So the, the, the race is going to move on to to Nevada and then South Carolina, and I will get into more of that. I'll actually get into that tomorrow because I got to do uh, for the radio folk because uh, we've been we've been live streaming the show. We're getting we're we're trying to get things ready for when the new studio is built and and everything else. This Wuhan COVID story. You want to talk about a story not getting enough play? The extent to which China and the Communist Chinese Party is guilty of, of lying, committing this fraud uh, against the world, uh, the levels to which Anthony Fauci is indeed guilty, and now you know that you had uh, uh, scientists working with the Chinese on viruses that seriously resembled SARS-CoV-2 and that money moved through EcoHealth Alliance to get to the Wuhan Virology Lab. You know it. You've got the documentation. Yeah, Fauci should go to jail. I've got that story uh, coming up. Find it all at TonyCats.com. I I have got it. Uh, And uh, I spoke to him a little bit earlier. Mark Lauder, the American First Policy Institute, who spent time in the in the Trump White House uh, and his take on what he saw in in New Hampshire? I've got that coming up as well. This is Tony Katz today.